This is going to be an honest-to-goodness discussion here of the NHL 23 beta. Now, put it simply, yes, I could do this. And let me just reiterate this once again. I could just make this a video that is about five seconds long and tell you that nothing has been added into the beta and that would actually be true. But because of that situation and because I don't want to do that, let me break down in particular some of the other like player styles, types, and things like that, give you a history lesson, some gameplay features, an overview, all of that together to bring in a culmination of a complete experience and what NHL is now and what it has become and why it is in such dire straits. Now, quick preamble here. For me, if you followed some of the stuff on the color cast side of things, you've known that it's been hockey, basketball, college, play-by-play, -play, stories coverage, and everything has been of the utmost professionalism. Well, now, this is a time for me to be able to let my receding hairline down and keep it a little more explicit in that side of things. So, yes, I'm going to attack this in a matter of professionalism, but there's also going to be some F-bombs and stuff drawn in because I'm just that passionate about it. So, let's get going in terms of what's going to be going on in this beta. So, all right. Unlike last year, when I gave you a kind of quick overview of what's going in between the items in the category and what's available to you, this is how you can change your player build, just like it is in NHL 22 and the 23 beta and tech test. It's a hybrid build approach from the NHL 10 to 14 days when it was kind of World of Warcraft style. Everybody preambled that as World of Hockey Craft, so now it's just plus to minus five rather than complete control in categories of technique. In technique, you have your wrist shot and slap shot accuracy, speed, balance, and agility. All can be plus or minus five, all within that box. Now, the next box is power. It's your wrist shot and slap shot power, excel, puck control, and endurance. Under your play style, it is passing, offensive awareness, body check, and stick check with defensive awareness. In tenacity, it's your hand ice, your ability to knock pucks out of the air or handle difficult passes, alongside with your strength, durability, and shot blocking. And then the last category that can be plus or minus five, it is your deking faceoff dis discipline and fighting skill. Now, within that side of it, you have your player types. Between your forwards, or your skaters, if you will, on the side of it, looking to score goals, face-offs, and things like that, it's playmaker, sniper, power forward, two-way forward, enforcer, dangler, and grinder. On your defensive side, it's offensive, defensive, two-way, puck-moving, and enforcer defenseman. Although, in the NHL games now, you couldn't do it before in some of the other instances like you could in between uh, 10 to 12, they kind of changed some of those rules around. Now you can go back to playing a defenseman role on the wing if you like that step boost there for you in terms of maybe I want a little bit more of a slap shot, maybe I want a little bit more defense, maybe I want some of my other stats to be mixed around. You can do that a little bit now, just like you can in the last previous couple of years. So, like NHL 22, it's still the same with zone abilities, a superstar ability, and boosts. Now, zone abilities or X-Factors from the Madden series was flat out taken and applied to NHL. And I'm not really sure how well that works, to be honest with you. I think it's just another cookie-cutter word salad that EA likes to use in terms of 
changing something that really didn't even need to be changed and trying to take a gameplay balance and turn it all the way over to being completely balanced to being completely fucked, to be honest with all of you. But zone abilities, two superstar abilities in gray, and two boosts that can range from a plus four to plus two depending on what you pick. So the boosts, instead of being, let's see, 12 of them, like they were in between NHL 10 to 14, it is now down just to 2, and they work kind of the same way, but instead of being a, a plus 5 at most, it goes from a 2 to 4. So you can only use 2 of those at the time. And like it was in the PS4 and Xbox One iterations from NHL 16 to concurrent, you can take your height and weight and adjust that without affecting some of your stats, but the beta thing that I've noticed is maybe some of the height and weight is a little bit different as far as what you can adjust and as far as when it starts to move and when it starts to decelerate. But it can still be a combination with height and weight in a plus or minus five. So the unfortunate reality that I have to throw to you in this regard is I've got the full player breakdown and skills and stuff. And you've known that's been similar in HL22, but the unfortunate reality is this. Gameplay remains completely fucking unchanged from NHL 22. How unchanged are we talking? Are we talking just the simple amount of unchanged of, let's say Madden 23 introduces field sense, and they take the decrepit courts of the legendary John Madden, and they shit all over his grave, but they add the field sense, and they add his face in there, and they add some of these other things. No. NHL 23 has even less effort than Madden 23, and as you know from the Angry Joe show or Soft Drink TV, that there was no effort in there. NHL 23 has done even less in terms of this beta and tech test overview. And I'm talking the amount of effort as the simple of going into the whatever system they create in that Frostbite engine that's been available since Madden 16 and before that on the Frostbite engine as we're still talking about and between Battlefield so you're talking about an engine that's roughly nine or ten years old that's finally been put on the NHL engine over its second year but it's brought so many glitches and proprietary fucking problems to it that it's completely ruined the game but in terms of the effort, as I mentioned, it's gotten so bad that all they've literally done, and I'm not bullshitting you, is take that number between a 2 and the 2 and put a 3 on the end of the 2. That's all they did. They changed the year and the fucking number. And besides of your proprietary roster adjustments, which you will or will not see because depending on the game modes that you play. So that's the unfortunate reality of it. And I could have closed this video and all that stuff out there now because gameplay is completely fucking unchanged. And as I've said, as the gameplay is completely unchanged, the menus are completely unchanged as well. Maybe some of the hockey highlights inside of the menus and the X factors have been brought to life so you see some concurrent Connor McDavid highlights, not stuff from two years ago. But the menus are completely unchanged. Hell, the music theme, the legendary music theme of NHL 15, that's still here in NHL 23. To slap you right in the face and 
That's some stuff, if you were sent to hell, just like I know I'm going to be when I die, if you were sent to hell, you would hear the NHL 15 theme music still being played out there as Satan would have that completely unchanged. So, this is where I feel bad in terms of uh, Carolyn Baith. Carlin Baith, I should say, on the LA Kings sideline reporting. She does very good in real life in terms of all that. You know, I've covered a lot of these games here on ColorCast. You've seen some of these things here on YouTube with Cooper Hopkins and I. We've gone through the Stanley Cup playoffs and the formats and things like that. Carlin Baith does a really good job for the Los Angeles Kings. But to be able to put her voice in terms of the EA Sports Hockey League with the same maybe... 15 lines, and I'm being kind at that when I say 15 lines, but the same 15 lines on repeat and not change anything. I don't think that's anything that the EA Sports Hockey League community was asking for. And the only thing I can uh, breathe from the tech test reviews of last year in 22 is they've toned the amount of times that she speaks in the narration in the menus. So take that for what you will. But Carlin Baith is still in there, although she does an excellent job in real life. And I say with the LA Kings, stick to it. You're doing great. So any changes to the presentation in this second year of the Frostbite engine? It's, oh, it's a second year of a brand new engine. But again, keep in mind, as I've said, it is the same type of engine that has been brought into Battlefield 4 and then brought into the games, beginning with FIFA and then Madden and now NHL. So take that for what you will. But any changes to the presentation is not going to be witnessed in the beta because any changes in the presentation to the actual game of NHL 23 when it drops in the second week of October, that is only going to be for NHL games and franchise and play now and things like that. That's when you'll see some of those cosmetic changes where the crowd is supposed to be completely alive, not just a city of marionettes from the PS2 era where it's completely fucking lifeless. If you've ever gone to a NHL game in terms of watching your favorite team like me for the Detroit Red Wings or any other teams that you cheer for, like Cooper Hopkins with the Calgary Flames or anyone in there, whether it's between Tampa Bay, Colorado, you get the point. Anytime a team scores a goal, it pretty much takes your breath away and the whatever's left, even if you're talking about the Arizona Coyotes college crowd, in terms of all of that, it lights up and everybody gets into it and there's chanting and it's a lot of fun and it's just a great time. You don't get any of that kind of features, it just feels like futility in the game. So let me mention this, as I've talked about between the gameplay being completely unchanged, I need to mention some of the things that I've talked about in this last time we did a beta video on YouTube, which was NHL 22 last year. So the problem is this, in amongst itself, when you're talking about the beta and you're talking about the tech test, and again, I imagine when I go across this YouTube side and ColorCast side, I don't think anyone's going to be coming in here, and I'm going to be broadcasting to myself. And again, that doesn't bother me, but it's one of those situations where you look at it and to a side and you say, this is on EA, in the sense of you need to make this a open beta. You cannot make this a closed technical test. Even when we're talking about it this year, you're talking about a situation where you've only had 
And this is in between the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, the Xbox One, and the series. There is no Switch and there is no PC release. Hell, there hasn't been a PC release, I believe, since 2005, 6 was the last time I think I had a PC side of it released. I believe it was 2006. But my point being to you in all of this is this, in the sense of if it's a closed technical test and you only have about 3,000 people in concurrent to be able to even participate in this closed technical test, and those that had even signed in to this closed test or this closed beta did not all receive their codes and EA Sports and even though they signed up for a PS4, a PS5, an Xbox One, or a Series, they got their console code, even though they signed up correctly, for the wrong fucking console. So, not a lot of people have been able to play this game as much as it's need to. But let's talk about this again, in terms of taking notes from the NHL 22 beta. As far as some of the lowlights, have they been changed? Passing. Passing even up on face-off, face-ups, holding L2 or the left trigger, depending on whether you're playing on the PlayStation side or the Xbox family. Passing, yes, is completely fucking atrocious, just like it was in NHL 22. Now granted, in this game, there might be a little bit of similarities in the sense of no, you do not need the magnetic X-factor to be able to make a pass. You don't need a third eye ability to auto saucer passes. Something might have been slightly tuned. Because even before on 22, when you would face up with the L2 and face up on the pass, you would see something where, even if you maybe throw a little bit too much power, I could understand that the pass would slide and maybe go for an icing or bounce off of a stick. But it was so bad that even when you use the correct power, it wouldn't be caught and it would go all the way down for an icing and it would make playing between twos, threes, fours, fives and yes full sixes completely fucking atrocious and annoying because you want to take that east-west to north-south approach and you can't do that if you cannot pass the puck so in NHL 23 eh, slight tweak into passing but again if you do not use the correct amount of hold time, which is usually a second to about a half second in terms of your pass, your pass will go flying, and it will not work very well. And you may say, John, this is by design. You don't want people to be able to gun passes in there all the time, even for cross passes. But I'm talking about in terms of guys that are passing, and they're right next to you. They're close on the breakouts, or they're staying wide across those blue line sides, and they're not there. And you can't make that pass? Boy, does that make that fucking frustrating and make it a game that you just don't want to play. So the auto hustle and the auto backskate, yes, that has returned. Auto backskate's been available, I believe, since NHL 09. Maybe even going back there for, but the auto hustle has been introduced over the last couple of years. So if you don't want to click in that left stick or the L3, if you will, your player in certain situations will automatically turn on the burners and in terms and times of why I always turn this off, will burn themselves of energy in times where they rush down the ice like Connor McDavid when I'm just trying to catch up to the guy that's right fucking next to me, not trying to take the whole 200-foot game 
Why am I winded? That's why you turn off the auto hustle. And the auto backskate, in the sense of the auto face-up, instead of using the L2 and the left trigger, it will take it in situations where you can match up on the side-to-side -side skating, as you see the hand going across on the YouTube side of things, and match up in terms of playing on a one-on-one. -on -one. This is worse, because now, again, the auto backskate, they don't want you to be able to skate backwards or side-to-side -side in the same leverage of speed when you're going straight forward. Understandable, yes. But you cannot nerf something to the side of, if I cannot skate side to side or skate backwards and the person in front of me going straight down the ice or trying to get around me is just going to blow by because I just don't have that speed to stay through even though I put the speed on there, even though I put the abilities to match up on there. That makes it really difficult to play defense. And that makes it a point where you're going to be in a dire straits. And let me take this one step forward here. When we're talking about some of these other issues, we're also talking about stick checking. Now, you're talking to someone right now, and I'm trying to behest this point to you in terms of playing from NHL 10 to concurrent, although skipping a couple years here from now because this series has turned into complete fucking dog shit, but I digress. When you're talking about the stick check, you're talking about someone that has used it, Although I don't spam the right bumper or the R1, I will throw the stick out there when necessary, either to shield and keep it a line across the blue line, as you would mention, as NHL players like to do, or throw a poke out there when I know I get a piece of the puck. Not to be able to trip on the legs, not to be able to spam to get to the point where the guy's going to get across and beat you, but to the point where you actually have that faced up part of it. When you have Nick Lidstrom on the center of it and you have a faced up part and you have somebody screaming down the wing, you use the stick as a shield to keep the man in front of you and stop them from getting across that blue line. That's a basic NHL move that you have to be able to do because you don't always throw the body because when you're throwing the body, you're leaving yourself out to a point where if you miss a check, your man's going to be wide open on a two-on-one and the puck is going to be in the back of the net and your goalie's going to be screaming obscenities at you. That's just the way that it is. So now, in NHL 23, it's either the EA Game Changers or something throughout EA because, let's face it, they don't give a fuck anymore. But let's throw it out there. In terms of the stick checking, it's gotten a lot worse. Now, a lot of you casual players are going to say that you enjoy this. John, you just can't spam the poke check anymore. That's why you don't like it. You're the one that's just disguising yourself as slamming down the R1 button and being completely irresponsible. Right? That's one of those narratives that it's going to get thrown in my face. But it's not. I don't do it. It's one of those situations, and I'm not lying to you guys. You poke check more than twice, you're going to be a stick in the mud. You're stuck in quicksand, and you cannot fucking move. Yes, this makes stick checking completely unusable. Completely unusable. And I'm talking to the point where there is no spamming. I'm talking to the point when you're there, you're in position, maybe you might miss, maybe you get a little piece of it, and yes, depending on your rating, it's supposed to increase the amount of speed that you can throw the stick check out there, and maybe the amount of speed that you would lose less in terms of the poke check. I've tested it in between anywhere between a 70 and a 95 with a boost on a two-way forward and the fastest that you can get to it. And it is no different, ladies and gentlemen. 
If you want to use a defensive tool in your disposal, you are not using the stick check this year. And if you do use the stick check and you use it more than twice, and sometimes even once, and you happen to miss or the puck happens to not deflect perfectly into a corner, it's a wasted effort. The man is going to come right down and score, and there's not a fucking thing that you can do about it. So, ways to score. And issues. Yes, we've had these same issues in between NHL 20 to 23, and I go back even between NHL 19 to 23, but especially 20 to 23, where you had a situation in NHL now, and a lot of these games, and yes, I understand this, my head meat is still working to its full capacity, and although we don't use full capacities, I would like to believe my 10 to 15% is still working immaculately like it used to. And in terms of I bring it to you like this, is the only way to score still in the NHL 23 beta on a cross pass, or has it finally been differentiated? Well, folks, it is still primarily on a cross pass, although I will tell you this. It has been opened up more to where you think NHL 23 has gotten to the point you can shoot the puck from anywhere and it will go in. Maybe not to the extent of it was when NHL 16 hit and you crossed the red line, or you crossed just over the face-off line and you launched a five-hole seeking shot from about a hundred feet and it would consistently go into the tune of let's say 35% or more. That is awful. In NHL 23 you at least now have to cross the red line. You cannot score from center ice but it's still to the point where if you launch a five-hole shot and the goalie is not even fucking screened this can put a situation where the puck still goes in the back of the net. And boy, does this throw a wrench into the touting animations that EA had thrown in when they said, we've put over more than 500 goalie AI animations. Humans have already been able to use them over the last year or so, but now the AI has been able to use them. Is this something that we're not able to see because we only had... Uh, spontaneity of the EA Sports Hockey League. No, we didn't have any other features to be able to test a head-to-head, -head, or God forbid they'd throw some other uh, franchise teasers in their videos to show you what they've been adding. But no, all you have is the EA Sports Hockey League, so maybe you have, let's say, a base, and they don't give the overall numbers anymore, and I'm throwing this out there as conjecture, as it used to be, a base 75 overall player, and that's what a goalie would be, and that's what they might look like. But in the sense of it, if you're giving those goals in, and then you're also bringing back, which I don't mind bringing back sniping down wrist shots, in between this, the high slot, in the middle of the slot, the corners, and picking cherries. If the man is not going to defend it, then you have to be able to use what tools are at your disposal. But the problems that I'm talking about and referring to is this in the sense of when we're talking about stick checking and having feet in quicksand you're also talking about a situation where like I said use the poke more than once and sometimes even once 
you're stuck. The man will get down the ice and score, and it's just, there's nothing you can do about it. When we're getting to the point now, as I've said, where you cannot use stick check and you have more ways to score and it's not just cross pass, this leaves you to another proprietary problem that has gotten ever worse as we're talking about between the introduction of the EA Sports Hockey League and NHL 09 all the way to the concurrent NHL 23 that's going to launch in mid-October. And that is the question that is looming. How is the AI? Well, I just brought to you in the situation of the stick check and how it doesn't work, right? So when we're talking about the AI, we're also talking about when you're being behind the net, where you like to live in between Gretzky's office, a lot of you, I know you hold the puck, control, protect, which is the X or the A on the Xbox family of controllers, depending on what you play on. You know how it is when you get stuck behind the net, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have to tell you otherwise in terms of the Ignite engine and now on the Frostbite engine that is getting incredibly long in the tooth, although it's just the second year for NHL. But when it's been a nine-year-old engine plus, I don't know why you just don't build that one from the ground up, but I fucking digress on that. What I'm talking about in terms of the AI problems, I'm also talking about the same instances of, yes, you still get stuck in behind the net, and if you make one move... It is a magnetic force field in behind the net that sometimes will find a way that you put a puck in beside your own net or your AI puts a puck in beside its own net and its own goal that they really didn't mean to, but they can't get out of that devilish programming in behind the net in terms of, I can't get away from this sometimes. And you have to be extra careful. But it's also very hard to be extra careful when you're being chased in a foot race on the ice in a team of... Teams that are trying to get away from you, trying to cause pressure, and trying to make your life a fucking misery. When you get stuck in behind the net and your AI still doesn't seem to know what to do behind there, or they'll make a pass that it's very slow, like a snail and get turned over and then the goal gets in the back of your net, it's a problem. And why is this such a problem? And what was my game experience like? No bullshitting you. My very first gameplay experience of the NHL 23 beta and the technical test, and this is drop-in, because again, if you don't have someone else to play with on club, and again, you don't have a lot of options to get codes for you, then you're really in a situation where you have to play those drop-ins, and again, because it's a closed technical test, there there's times where you're really just waiting to get a game in. But yes, my first game was a 5-4 loss in overtime, and the definitive goal, ladies and gentlemen, the definitive goal and the 5-4 loss was an AI getting stuck behind the net as the puck teleported through the net and between the human goalie on a 5-4 overtime loss. And yes, I've seen this replicated in terms of even strength and regulation in terms of club play on a computer-to-computer -computer crime, but the first one that I refer to when the defensive AI got stuck behind the net was against a human goalie, and it was a 5-4 overtime loss as he helplessly put the puck in behind the human goalie, and it was a loss. So, what is new in NHL 23? Again, I could have closed this video out in 30 seconds, but I didn't want to do that in terms of even just broadcasting to myself, I wanted to leave this as a full color cast and YouTube show to give you the complete breakdown when everyone else would not, or they get a little too frustrated. 
Did I get a second chance, last chance animation that felt fluid? I did get it in a Pro-Am game. The Pro-Am is just like it was over the last several years. When you play the three-on-three -three ice, it's a warm-up there before you, if you can't find any dropping games, you're having to play that if you want to play online against the computer to level up. Oh joy. But yes, I did get the animation to trigger on a shot and a pass that did feel f fluid on a Pro-Am game. I haven't seen a lot of people use it during game, but I'm going to let you know how it goes. If you double tap the pass, so that'll be the right trigger or the R2, or you double tap the shot, whether it being a button, being circle or square, depending on your hybrid controls or just the right stick, like most would use on the skill stick, if you double tap shot or you double tap pass as you're falling down, that's what's going to trigger a second chance or last chance animation. And again, besides the stick check being completely fucking nerfed, which I'm not happy about, players do have more speed when carrying the puck and looking for a breakout. But this speed train momentum does not happen until you're about four or five seconds into the puck carrying. So as much as you would like to get those wheels that Connor McDavid, and yes, that's what they call the X Factor, that you cannot get in initial 23 beta, the two that they've added, wheels and skilled up for the Trevor Zegras style lacrosse goals. But no, you cannot use the Connor McDavid type wheels until you get to about a four or five second run in with the puck. Although it seems like the plays and I will talk about this going forward. If you're sitting at the opponent's blue line on the side and happen to connect with a long pass, then there is no catching up to the other man. Depending on how much speed you have, it doesn't matter. At that point, the play is over. So, what was new? Hey, I just went over it in 30 seconds. A second chance, last chance animation for passing and shooting, and more speed when carrying the puck off a breakout and nerf of poke checks. Boy, doesn't that seem like something that could have already be added in an NHL 22 pat patch, doesn't it? But it was not. This is touted for a completely... What's going on, Patrick? This is touted for a completely $70 overall in terms of depending on whether it's next-gen, $60 on PS4 and Xbox One, or a $100 X-Factor Edition, if you will, which includes both games. So if you want to talk about what is new, I just gave it to you. A second chance, last chance animation for shooting, more speed off the breakout, although it takes another three or four seconds, and poke checking being completely nerfed. That's all that was new. And as I mentioned here, Patrick, as you're just joining me, I want to throw this out there. Gameplay is completely unchanged from last year. Menus are completely unchanged. All they did literally was take the NHL 2 and 22 and change it to a 3 on that second 2 number. And that's all they did. But this is where I need to get into the history lesson in terms of if you're thinking about on the YouTube side or the ColorCast side or Spotify or wherever you listen to this at some point. Because at this point, if you've known me, I've played the NHL series online from NHL 10 to concurrent. Yes, I've skipped the last couple of years because the game has just got so completely fucking stale and nothing has been changed that I decided it wasn't worth my money. But you're talking with someone that is a complete seasoned veteran. And I'm not going to toot my own horn too much in, the t in terms of 
my skill level in terms of it, because again, that takes a team. When you're playing the EA Sports Hockey League, in terms of twos, threes, four, fives, and yes, full sixes, you need at least two. So when I started in NHL 10, I'll give you my humble beginnings, and I'm not going to lie to you here. When I started, it was just one of my buddies there on the Xbox 360 side. We got an NHL 10 because I liked hockey a lot. Hockey was one of those games in the EA Sports side of it. If you follow Angry Joe on YouTube, if you follow Soft Drink TV on YouTube, they got an excellent breakdown of what EA Sports used to be from the Sega Genesis days of the Holy Grail NHL 94 to the NHL 2004 on PS2 and Xbox going all the way now to what was considered the last great NHL game, NHL 14, on the Xbox 360 and PS3 days, to the dog shit that we have right now. And in between all of that, I've come to say I've played a lot of those games. And in terms of that, again, I've started with it too, with one of my buddies in the sense of this. I was a player that had played a lot of the, let's say head-to-head, -head, right? when you're controlling all the teams, you're controlling the goalie and things like that. I was really good at puck movement, but I couldn't really score that well. I knew where to keep everybody stationed in position and keep the flow of play going, but I wasn't really good at picking cherries, picking corners and posts and doing deeks and skating all that well and some of those other things. And when you're playing player lock that you're playing in the A-Sports Hockey League, you get to pick your position, whether it be forward, defense, or goalie. And if you play goalie, God help you, because it's a little bit difficult and you don't have those same type of tools to have success. But it's the point where, again, I started in NHL 10. I didn't score a goal in the first 27 games, and I was predominantly a minus player. It was dreadful. It was bad. It was one of those situations where I looked like I was completely inept in terms of putting a puck in the net. All that is to say, in between NHL 10 to 12, I had turned myself into predominantly minus player all the way to the point where, yes, we played so many games, I was a minus 300 in that time. It was awful. Then between that time I'd work myself in from a minus 300 all the way to even and then started to work myself into the plus. So I went from, in terms of our success, and I'm not bullshitting you here, a minus 300 to a plus about over 5,000. Seriously, it was that much of a transformation. And that started in between mostly twos and then when we got our third it really, really started to take off. By the time we hit our stride in NHL 12, starting from 10, it went from a club that struggled to win about 50% of their games, I would say probably 35-40% of our games, to a club in twos that was winning close to about 80% of our games. And then when we got our third, as our twos was starting to peak out at around 85, when we got our third, we were hitting well over 90%. At twos on NHL 12, we were in the top 50s consistently. From NHL 12 and 13, it was so good, we played it two years. And the community was so live that we played it for two years. And it got so good to the point of it where it was just complete domination. And then when we got our third, and then NHL 12 and 13 stride, it went from top 50s to top 10s to three top threes and a top one finish. It was elite level. And it was one of those situations where, not just saying getting that good at the game, and that's why it was one of my favorite games of all time, because NHL 12 also introduced one of the biggest cardinal sins of all time, and that was the ultimate team mode. 
that would ultimately be swallowed in between Madden and FIFA and hockey and basketball and everything else that a mobile game of the like were able to bring into and brought into the point where it was such a moneymaker for EA Sports last year that they made well over $85 billion, yes, billion with a B, in annual revenue for the 2021 year and we'll see how much they make in 2022 so even though that was one of my favorite games of all time and one of those ones that was completely balanced you say yeah that's because you could spam poke check and no i wasn't one of those ones i did that again i kept it on the blue line so i had to be able to keep the man in front and then use that i was one of those ones that Use the poke check, use the speed. I didn't rely on the body check side of it. I kept myself as all around two way forward. The having the shot and the 90 accuracy with the 80 power percentile and everything's spread across the board because that was something that you could do. Back in those times, as I've said, player builds were completely customizable to the point where if you put in the work and effort into the lab, and there was many hours that I did in that time. In that time of my life, it was some of the best times of my life. I'm going to be honest with you in terms of gaming. In terms of sports gaming, I don't think there was anything ever better. Now sports gaming is coming more along the lines of the free-to-play dog shit level of it to where anytime you mention yourself as a gamer and you mention yourself sports in the same regard, it just step on over you with those spike steel-toed boots and there's nothing you can do about it. You're in the you're in the realm. You're in the shadow realm, and there's no way to get out of it. Differentiating all of that, I put myself as a single player enthusiast, playing RPGs, playing Dragon Quest, playing Final Fantasy, mixing all that stuff. I pretty much play anything. First person shooters, I kind of stay away from because I'm not that good good at. But everything else, I pretty much go ahead and play. So when I tell you I do that, and the the catalog has been very diverse, all the way from being born to 1987 from the NES all the way till now, this brings you to a point where you talk about it like this. I brought about the amount of success. I brought about how gameplay was completely balanced on both sides. You're not talking about the NHL 23 beta in between the NHL 12 to 14 side that I'm referring to in terms of our history. You're talking about gameplay now that is at least seven goals per game. You're talking about gameplay back then where it was a struggle to even get three. And there was a lot more shutouts, and you had to work. You had to move the puck east to west rather than north to south. You had to find a way to be able to get your goals and work hard to be able to get them. Get them in certain spots. Utilize that drop pass. Utilize certain wrist shots in the slot. Get in front of the net. Fight for position. Again, it was a game to fight for three goals, not for seven or eight that you would routinely see now. It was something that was completely balanced. And yes, there needed to be some patches in NHL 12 before it became the game that it was the holy grail of in the last Xbox 360 to PS3 days all the way to 10 to 14, which is considered the holy grail, but 12 to 14, which is probably the best of it. So in that time, we talked about all the success. And as I've said, you can play twos. And still now, if you talk about NHL 23... And the beta and the tech tests, and over the last few years, I'll say even between 15 to 23 concurrent, and 15 did not have EA Sports Hockey League. I don't know why you take out one of the best modes, but they did. And it went to the point where, if you didn't have a third, it didn't matter how good you were. The AI got so bad that you just couldn't play anymore. So you went from a gameplay balance, you went from GM Connected mode, you went from innovative points of it, you went from the best playoffs in all of sports 
something of significance to fight for and something as I reference in between some of the best times of my life. Not only just going to college at Oakland University here in Rochester Hills in Michigan, working at the Oakland Press, and then coming home and playing this game and getting about roughly, I would say, about 100 games per month in at that time. And yes, it was really active, and that was one of those games that I played for hours and hours and hours. It was the job, and it was the lifeblood. And if, yes, there was a way to uh, capture some of those highlights back then, boy, oh boy, would you guys have been in for a treat in terms of all of that. Playoffs consistently then were winning four straight games. They were dropping banners. It was getting emblems on the ice showing that you were playoff champions. Banners would drop. And yes, you could skip the animation so you didn't have to see them. But in HL 12, they did drop to Pantera and walk. How fucking awesome is that when you see your elite level banner for a top three, a top one uh, finish to have your name and players of the month engraved on an official cup to have that on there and to see our gamer tags live in history. And yes, I'm still rocking with TBU Gunslinger because that TBU clan was uh, alive and well at that time and everyone else is dispersed starting from the Xbox days. And although I didn't partake in all of the stuff that they partake in, NHL was definitely alive and well and it was something that everybody enjoyed. Even if it was just an outside chance that you love sports games, NHL was something you gravitated to because it was so easy to pick up and play and enjoy. So you went from winning four straight games to dropping banners that you could see on the ice that would drop on your home ice. And every time it would skate, it would say EA Sports Hockey League Elite Champions. And it would have a bronze, silver, or gold medal cup along the side with your banner of the respective color to be in the rafters to show complete intimidation to those that would dare dwell on your home ice. So... Seeing all your club's historical success, have that carry on, has now transgressed into a point where there is a playoff mode, but you have to have it split in between weeks of a season. You have about two and a half weeks of regular season play where you would go in between divisions 10 to 1, and then now it was split in between another two and a half weeks of playoff play where you just get as many games played and as many wins as possible. So rather than having it be tension-filled where you need to win four straight in order to get a championship and a banner and everything else, you need to be able to play a hundred games in a span of two and a half weeks. And I'm not joking you, but a hundred games in a span of two and a half weeks and you need to win over 90% of them. So yes, if you lose about five of those games and you played over a hundred, you're not getting number one and you only get the championship if you win number one and that's it. So, Everyone else that went from their best point in the best time of EA Sports Hockey League being the best moments of playing playoffs and having that something being a ritual is completely gone. In that time of it, you went from EA Big. You had NFL, NBA, FIFA Street, SSX, the snowboarding game, Fight Night, all types of innovation. Were all types of sports games at that point on EA's side were littered with offline features. Offline features, I said, yes. Littered to the brim with online just being implemented really on the Xbox 360 because the 360 and PS3s were glory days in front of it and you still had a categorical feature set for offline play. NHL 12 was the culmination. And we talked about it and I have went through some of these on the notes and I mentioned all of those now. So gameplay balanced to close. 
is completely destroyed. Now it's a north-south approach. It's not the point where you can play twos and play threes and be able to have this in complete balance. Then be able to have AI expect them to do what they're supposed to do. Now people in the NHL community confuse this. They confuse an AI actually doing their job and position and being correctly positioned on that left or right wing on the breakout side for a pass to be able to be there as something to be overpowered. No! This is fucking positioning of where you're supposed to be! This is paramount to success of what a sports game would be. If you have all of those guys in a basketball reference sitting on that left wing for a quarter three, if they're all sitting out there for a corner three and there is no space, it's pretty much easy for them to be able to spam that X button, spam that square, and get a steal. It's no different in terms of Madden. It's no different in terms of hockey and basketball where positioning is of the most paramount importance. And when you're taking some of those EA game changers and they're saying, boy, the AI being in the correct position is completely overpowered and I don't like that. Man, that is sad, folks. That is utterly sad. If you think an AI being in a correct position and doing what they're supposed to do is being too overpowered, then you are playing the complete fucking wrong game, and you are playing something that is music to EA's ears, because all they want is the Fortnite dances and the animations to be able to celebrate. And let me talk about that community here. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more going forward. So, as I mentioned, between the gameplay balance, that was in perfect harmony in that time. You've gotten to a point where you could play everybody, right? So the community was live and well, although it was still split on player bases at that time in between PlayStation and Xbox. No, you didn't have PC releases even on the holy grail of gameplay at the time, which was 10 to 14. But you're able to play everyone. And what do I mean by that? Now, gameplay as it's been over the last 16 to concurrent is split into divisions. So you'll play divisions 10 to 8, 7 to 4, uh, 4 to 1, something in that regard of it. I might have missed a number here and there. Maybe 10 to 8, 7 to 5, you know, 4 to 3, and then 2 1 mix. Something like that. So rather than being able to play everybody, you have to play in recording to your division. Now, EA did this in terms of sake of competition. That is what they say. Oh, you don't want to beat up on all the smaller people, and they're getting frustrated because they're having to play against good people, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. This needs to be in the sake of competition. Well, dumbasses, you forgot about this. The EA Sports Hockey League and the EA Sports Hockey in general is of the smallest player base. I know NBA Live is the smallest player base now because there is not a fucking NBA Live anymore. But when you're bringing it to it like this, when you have the Madden online community, when you have the MLB The Show community, again I know a different company, and you have NBA on that side of it with 2K Sports and all that, NHL and FIFA, FIFA is probably number one, Madden's number two, Basketball is probably mixed in there at some point, and hockey at that end of it on the A side is definitely last. It is a community, unless you're from the Michigan, Minnesota, Canada areas. And again, you're talking to someone here from the Michigan area here on the ColorCast side on YouTube. If anyone comes in, welcome. If anyone listens on the Spotify side, welcome. Someone that loves hockey. 
If you're outside of that, again, casual observers, the gameplay was so good back then that it was just a game that you can enjoy. But now, on the outside of it with the division base, you're talking about splitting the player base even more. You're talking about splitting the player base in the point of where it was head-to-head, Ultimate Team, Hut, and things like that, do EA Sports Hockey League. That was already split. And when you go from NHL 10 to 14 and the Holy Grail parts of it where anybody could play anybody, you're talking about it splitting in the division base. And what do I mean by that? It's simply like this. If we're going to use a hockey analogy, we're talking about hockey now, so let's use it now. Sometimes the Tampa Bay Lightning have to play against the Arizona Coyotes. You don't always play against the Colorado Avalanche for an 82-game season. Let's say you don't always play against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche 41 games of that 82-game season. Now, you disperse in between your division. You play opponents outside the division. Everybody comes to the home ice at least once, and there is a diversification of the opponents that you play. And In terms of what EA has now brought into it, there is no diversification of your opponents. Instead of playing against the Arizona Coyotes, the Philadelphia Flyers, the now Chicago Blackhawks that have been completely depleted, You will play against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You will play against the Colorado Avalanche. You will play against the St. Louis Blues and all those other teams. And those figurative teams talking about, in terms of those guys in EA Sports Hockey League, that average 7, 8, 9 points per game. And, oh boy, I'm telling you now, that points per game is definitely going to shoot up even more. It really is because this game is high scoring. You play, not everybody, you play the same, let's just give it roughly, 10 teams over and over and over and over and over again. And if you cannot beat those 10 teams, well, you turn the game off, you throw your controller, and hopefully you don't throw anything in terms of the Xbox series or the PS5 because the consoles have been hard to get. They're $500 and they're expensive and they trend even more if you didn't get all that stuff like I did in the initial day when I got lucky and documented all that. You'll get frustrated because you're playing against teams that you just can't beat and there's nothing you can do about it. But that was in terms of competition and sake, and the point of where I said this. If the player base is already small, and you're shrinking it ever more every single year by doing things like that, and you're also shrinking it ever more by terms of making a game that's just complete fucking dog shit, what you're left with is tumbleweeds in a ghost town, and left with a community that will not play the game anymore. In fact, it got so bad over the last couple of years when they changed the playoff format, in between NHL 19 to concurrent to where once the season ends, because yes, everything has to have seasons in a battle pass nowadays. That's the free-to-play model that you have. But it got so bad now in terms of the season that has been brought in. Once the season is officially done, and we're talking about four seasons probably until the new game comes out, if you want to play the old game, and you want to play hockey league, and you want to play club and stuff with your friends, you cannot play it. It's shut off. There's no more seasons, so you cannot play hockey league. And because of the point of where there's no one left to play, in terms of the servers, because they move on, because the game is so such utterly atrocious pile of garbage, that there's no one left to play. And you're left to the tumbleweeds of the head-to-head, if that's even available, or nothing. The gameplay is completely dead. Most cycles, as you see throughout these sports games, they die from, let's say, when the game comes out in September, and this one comes out in October, but basketball is next Friday. I'm a little bit more excited for that one. 
But when this game comes out in the midweek of October, you're talking about a point where the console base and everything else is dead by December. You might get a little bit of that Christmas rush, but then after that, it's done. There's no one left to play online. So when you're talking about the next gen, and you're talking about what is available and what's down to you, EA said this year that they used all of their resources here for crossplay. They used all their resources here for crossplay in NHL 23. So that's why all you had was the last chance puck animations and all you had was the Zegris flip. Well, when you thought you used all of your resources for crossplay, you would think it would be ready by the time the game releases in the second week of October. But it's not going to be ready until December. They say it's going to be for EA Sports Hockey League, but it's not even full crossplay, ladies and gentlemen. Let's dive into this. So, crossplay is nothing new, whether it's Fall Guys or Call of Duty or any of those games that you play there. Meaning, when I play a game on a specific console, I will be joined by PC and Xbox players, Nintendo Switch, so that way the community is, is vibrant and you always have people to play. Not saying things can't be toxic, but I'm also telling you, you're never going to run out of people to play and you're not going to be waiting in a lobby try, trying to find games. Well, when NHL 23 said that their big addition this year was crossplay, they didn't really tell you this. The crossplay is only limited to the same console generations. Meaning, if you're still playing this game on the last-gen consoles of PS4 to Xbox One, again, there is no PC release between PS4 and Xbox One, all you can do is play against PS4 and Xbox One players. And no, if you were playing on a PlayStation or an Xbox console, vice versa, and the other console family, you can no longer send, and you still can't send, cross-generational messages to be able to get them to join clubs, you can only play against them. How stupid is that? But then also to make matters worse, if you wanted to play the next-gen version of the game, you are still locked in only be playing between PlayStation 5 and Series players. And again, as I've said, it's still locked in behind. You can only play against those of an opposite console, and you still can't join and play club with them. So if, in between all the things that I mentioned to you, in between now, how NHL is more drived on Fortnite dances, NHL 3s, mascots, Mortal Kombat Deke style moves, being able to burn down the ice and score at will, not having AI defensive tools, having, be, having it become cross-pass predicated only, nerfing drop passes, nerfing positioning, nerfing wrist shots from the slot, nerfing the poke check, having stale presentation, still having Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 level graphics, although we've hit the series level consoles on PS5. EA seemingly has mandated the Frostbite engine, even though it's been for Battlefield 4. It's about a decade old, and it's been in games like Madden 16, I want to say. So it's closely to an engine that is getting in the decade level old that they want to ship across all games to maybe to make it easy to play. Even with all of those things that I mentioned to you, and you still want to buy the game full price in the second week of October, or you still want to give the game a shot, even though it is completely unchanged from NHL 22, you still want to give it an attempt. You have to remember this, that 
you're only going to be able to play against guys that are of that same generation. You're still playing in the, game, the games where it's going to be six to seven goals easily and plays are unstoppable and there really is nothing you can do. Despite your positioning and despite how well you try to play everything else. If you're trying to play this as a twos, it's going to be difficult if you don't have an extra person on defense. If you're trying to play it as a threes, that could be a happy medium threes or fours. And if you're only trying to find a game specifically in a full six, you're still going to be waiting about 45 to 50 minutes. And that doesn't even get me started in terms of when the community actually is completely dead. By the time December hits, maybe Crossplay can revitalize some of that this year, but it's still available. But in terms of an October release, you'd think the game is going to be dead by December. That's it. That's still what's facing you in the end of it. And nothing has changed. So... I want to talk about a couple things, and then we will get on the road ahead to close on out of here. So, when we're talking about some of these other adjustments and what has changed, we're talking about something that has been viable in NHL 2K10. And yes, I said 2K, because back then, 2K Sports made a hockey game, Sony made their own game, EA Sports had their game, it was plenty of competition, just like it was for NBA 2K back in the day, where now it's just run by them, because NBA Live is so bad, NBA and Live and EA Sports can make a game, there is no non-disclosure agreement, like how there is for Madden, like how there is for FIFA and things like that. They can make a game, but EA has gotten so bad on the basketball side that they've skipped years and skipped years, and the game still sucks. But on the hockey side of it, there is no competition for EA, and there really is nothing for them to have to do. If 2K can't make a game, if uh, Sony can't hop ship and make their own game, I mean, my God, you'd imagine what Sony could do if they actually put in the resources. They put it in their baseball game. Has the baseball game gotten stale over the last few years? Probably a little bit. With the complete cross-gen play to be able to put in there, that's breathed some life into it. With an online team-up option, that's definitely breathed some life into it. And that game is still light years, light years ahead of all these other sports games. And 2K still does an excellent job on their presentation, although the gameplay is kind of stemmed toward the park aspects of it more than anything else, which I don't like as much. But, oh boy, on the gameplay presentation, on the broadcast side of it, that is a chef's kiss on the... 2k side of it and can't wait to play that on friday because it's one of those ones that i still like to play with friends regardless of the gameplay going south there's still a lot of value there there is no value on the hockey side so when i talk about nhl 2k 10 and i talk about some strategies oh strategies adjustment for the first time in nhl ea so it's not just moving the d-pad across and having to change it for game to game you can have that in for being able to put that in the beginning so you don't have to change it from game to game. Well, yes, that's great, and then NHL EA is going to tout that as a new feature, but that's been available since NHL 2K10. It's 13 years after, and they just put that in the game. And the Zegris flip, the Zegris flip was in NHL 06 in EA's game, but now they talk about that in NHL 23. It's the same regurgitated word salad as it's always been in Bullock. Let me tell you this, when you're talking about complaints, and you're talking about community, in the NBA 2K community, they're very selfish. If they're not having their complete success, then they'll quit, they'll run out of bounds, they'll get three seconds, they'll do whatever they can to usurp their gameplay. And I, I mean this wholeheartedly, and I don't mean this as the racist, 
underscore overtones that the NHL community likes to use, but I, w I can use this as an unabridged effort on the NBA side of things. You need to literally change your player color and your avatar to be able to sometimes get people to pass to you, to buy into the gameplay aspect of it, because there is a lot of black versus white going on. And I'm not just talking about that in terms of real-life counterparts and bigotry and racism and all of that stuff that's brought in there. There is a hell of a lot of that in some of the gameplay aspects of NBA 2K. Not so much in the gameplay aspects of NHL, but the bigotry and racism in terms of NHL player names, in terms of conclusion, in terms of the things that you see on the, see on the screen. Boy, oh boy, is the EA Sports community just the worst when it comes to racist undertones and anti-Semitic and no inclusion. And I hate to even go that route to you and use the truth, but it is. It is that bad. So imagine to my surprise when we got the trailer that was all over the place of the NHL 23 and what was included when I said gameplay was completely unchanged and what was changed was for the worse and what was changed could be something that could be put in an NHL 22 patch. When I saw that EA was including women in HUT, I said, oh boy, this is going to get much, much worse. And this is going to be awful in terms of what you will see as far as what the community will tout and put in there. And just, I'm telling you, keep your eyes and ears open because it'll be awful. So, as I've mentioned, we're getting close to closing here. This NHL game has been in an awful state since NHL 15 when they've tried to rebuild this game from the ground up. You're left from only a few things that I can leave to you here. And this might be some window dressing, this might be something that is completely conjecture. This might be something that is holistic, holistically unrealistic because we talked about some of the cross-play additions. So your EA game changer, Nasher, who was a diehard Columbus Blue Jackets fan, went on Twitter playing through the beta and said this, as an EA game changer, the most unchanged version of NHL we've seen in a long time, and I really can't say much else. He even said that. Some of the other Twitter comments that I found from guys that predominantly play. Game is horrendous. Zero change other than diving to try to make a play. Passing, still absolutely horrible. Goalies still get beat on every single glitch goal. And they're meaning picking corners and things like that. That's one of those ones where you need to cut down those time and space. It's more of those now north-south that you cannot stop because AI can't get in front of that. But still, opinion, that's fine and still default into a generic butterfly stance with no movement on 85% of the shots. That is where he's completely correct. Skating is sluggish and the menus are identical. Yes, completely correct on that. And someone else, when you thought the perfect meme did not exist, pointed to NHL 17 and 23 with the Spider-Man point when everyone was clones and you're wondering which game is different and how can I tell if the game is different. So... Here are some th thoughts I have. So, the NHL gameplay producer used to be Sean Ramjack Singh. That was during the time where NHL went from 06 and 07, I should say, introducing the skill stick, 
with Alex Ovechkin on the cover, to NHL 14. In terms of being the Holy Grail, as I said, 10-14 to 14 and 9 introduced the Hockey League. That was when Ram Jackson and his crew innovated and put a lot of work. You had EA Big, you had a lot of other divisions, you did not have Ultimate Team and things like that at this point. Now you're getting into a situation where Ultimate Team is the ultimate prize in terms of EA and their money. In terms of everything else, the CEO, uh, you know, Strauss Melnick on the 2K side of it, and let me see if I can try to find EA Sports CEO name because I want to put that out there now. In terms of what I want to change, you're talking about gameplay innovations, and you're talking about Andrew Wilson here from 2013 to 2022, and he looks like a sure and guy with the guy with the suit on and has a lot of money. So between Andrew Wilson and Trip Hawkins and everyone else like that, they have gone to the money, money, money mindset. And I don't mind that EA Sports, I don't mind organizations and companies that make a lot of money. Money is what makes the world go around. When the stock market and everything else is doing well, that's when everyone else has jobs. You give money, you free flow that money in, you put money in, you put money out, take money out. That's the way the world works, and if you don't have it, you're going to be living like me. As soon as my parents are dead living on a bridge on the side of the road, even though I'm a college student and uh, graduate with some level of smarts, and again, that is fleeting day by day, I haven't been able to achieve all my life's goals. But it does make me utterly fucking sick when you're thinking about Mr. Wilson here in terms of Andrew Wilson and the CEO of EA of having that approach of Ultimate Team. I don't mind that it's in the game and I don't mind that you guys make $85 billion of profit last year in, com in combination with the EA Sports games, Apex Legends, and whatever properties that EA has neglected to bring back, like Fight Night, which was very beloved in SSX. Don't mind that you make all the money, but you would think, with all the fucking profit that you guys make, you can go around and turn that into some money being brought back into making servers stable, making gameplay fixable, making graphics that aren't still in the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 days. I can't imagine at 4K and 120 frames per second now as these TVs are finally getting to it. Yes, I know PC monitors are close to 240 and 300 frames. But getting to that point where you get to a 4K 120 baseline, how good these games can look. But yet, when you don't put any money into it, and yet when you say we used all of our time and resources into crossplay, uh, Clement Wong, who's left there in terms of who is the NHL gameplay director now, when he says he puts all of his efforts into crossplay, but it's only same generation to same generation, how many people are actually working on NHL in NHL 24? Because now, before NHL 23 is already out, They've said they're not doing any patches this year in Angel 23. After this cross-play iteration is done in December, it's done. They're already working on NHL 24 now, as you're listening at 418 Eastern at 9-5-2022. They're working on it now, and they moved over. So what does that mean? What does that mean for Madden in terms of everything else that's been completely unchanged? What does that mean for NBA Live? They've been able to make a game over the last few years. What does that mean for everything else? Does it mean that we're going to a free-to-play model 
Does that finally mean that they're going to admit that we do not want to put any fucking efforts into this game? We will do our patches time to time to time. We will update the rosters year to year. And instead of making this a 60 to $70 game, depending on your console generation, and $80 if you're in Canada, sorry my cross-the-border friends there, but does that mean that they're finally going to go to a free-to-play service model where they'll say, hey, give us 20 bucks, we're going to update the rosters, we'll do a few patches here from there to there, and we'll keep the game community live. We'll put it on PC. We'll include some of these other features like GM Connected, full cross-play that people have been dying for and asking for because the NHL community needs this. And because the community is so small, if you don't have it, then it's over. Nobody's going to be playing the game. Does that mean that NHL will finally go to a cross-service, cross-gameplay, a completely live-service aspect, a completely update 20 bucks here and there, over the next several years, or will they continue to charge people 60, 70, 80, 100 dollars for just minor changes? Who knows? I think it's going to be that more than this. But if you're already working on NHL 24, here's some ideas. Include fucking GM Connected. So instead of playing just EA Sports Hockey League, you said the servers couldn't manage it in NHL 13. You're coming back off of some holy grail releases of a, let's see, NHL 94, 2004 was really good on the PS2 and Xbox side as I talked about. NHL 14 was the last great game on the 360 PS3 side of it. It's been 30 years now since the holy grail of Sega Genesis gaming in NHL 94. This has got to be big for NHL 24. Because a lot of these four releases have been quite good. This has got to be big in terms of it. Include GM Connected. Give a PC release. Give full cross-gen gameplay. Make it where Switch, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation can all play together with GM Connected. Even if you didn't do much of the gameplay aspect, which I hope that they would, and I hope that you'd build the, ground, the game from the ground up because this game needs to, you really need to abandon that Frostbite engine and start all over folks here on the A side of things. Because it's not working. And it left me to believe a couple things. If they brought in a live service model, and they made it just $20, and they changed a couple of things there with the roster updates and gameplay, added GM Connected, added full cross-play, that would be fine. You know, that could be something. Or completely starting it over. And building, putting money in, putting revenue services, putting in actual effort in terms of your servers and bandwidth so there is no lag. Making a game that's on the sports side, and even MLB The Show can be conducive to this because they've been releasing cross-gen stuff and you haven't had a lot of next-gen and next-gen priority part of it because you want to get as much money as you can. Even these sports games haven't made that big fidelity visual jump. And you say, John, that doesn't happen a lot because... From the PS3 on, how can games look that much better? And trust me, guys, when these people do put in their effort and resources, games do look that much better, even on this part of it, because these between PS4 to PS5 and Xbox One to series, and I know PC players are going to go to that master race route, these games do look that much better. And yes, it is jaw-dropping and noticeable. But the sports games have started to look less and less so because the effort has just not been there. So if you're not bringing in some of the stuff that we talked about and you're also not starting 
to rebuild the game for the complete ground up and putting in all that money that you make between that $85 billion of last year and bringing that in to fixing it now, then what are you left with? You're left with what we had to talk about today. Gameplay that has been completely fucking stringent and unchanged. And you're talking about stuff from the NHL side of from NHL 2K10 to features that have already been in that game, such as sophisticated shop blocking anima- animations, skating and being able to kiss the cup and passing it to your teammates. Incredibly much better presentation as far as the gameplay as respected in terms of back in the 2K side of things, whether or not you'd thought as much of the visual fidelity when you go back to that now, and I wish I'm going to be able to do that, I'm going to try to find a way to do that, in terms of much more respect of having to work for your goals rather than the north-south approach. When you're talking about all those things that a game from 13 years ago got better, and the EA big division dying, and Frostbite Engine being mandated, I think to the point where now it comes to the my forefront and the frontal lobe and the cortex, if you will, that maybe EA is just the simple stopgap for play, people who want to get their first job. Really, yeah, there, there is nobody, and you can speak from Clint Oldenburg, that played a little bit in the EA, in the uh, NFL side, now is a couple of years for EA, but they can't even develop a sophisticated blocking scheme, although he played on the offensive line, that's a little suspect there. But it makes me believe that those that are involved with EA, this could just be their first job and their first forefront. And because of that, you have, and not even entry level, you're talking about people that have just figured out how to use a keyboard and they're ones that are programming the game. I think that's where EA is at this point. Not only would just Andrew Wilson not putting money into the resources, He's been so cheap on that point. They've got guys that have no clue what they're doing in terms of what. I'm not saying I can do any better. I don't know the first fucking thing about programming. But you bet I know about gameplay and features. And if I was the first person to be in there in Game Changers, they would tell you, John, you can't swear. John, you can't talk about some of these other things. you got to keep that on the down low. I would uh, sing all those praises if they changed all these things to the cows come home. But I'm going to completely use my voice as a weapon and tool for change. And also use the pocketbook as a tool for change. Because I'm going to tell it to you like this. In terms of the rampant dying that I played with uh, my friend Mike on the head-to-head modes. Because you couldn't even get some of the gameplay aspects of it. This would be the third year in a row that I didn't buy NHL. And if NHL 24 gets to that point, maybe the three-year ban can be lifted. If they add GM Connected and full cross-play, that I would, in that point, then give it a shot. Because you have people to play against. But if they continue to not innovate and they continue to not put in features, I can't justify anyone spend sixty, seventy to a hundred dollars. And yes, I understand, and I'm going to close it with this: that you leave sports gamers as normal game players in any other uh, franchise, whether it be RPGs, sports, puzzles, platformers, mixing all of that. They always try to receive sports gamers as heretics. And people that love to get stepped on. But what I feel bad with, and then they don't understand, those that don't play the sports games, is there is no other option. If you want to play that game, and you want the updated rosters, and you want some of those other things, because not all of these games have uh, involved roster sharing, although NHL 23 did that for the first time, and that's a slow golf club because these games have had that in for years. But if you wanted the latest features, if you wanted some of these other things, you just can't do anything about it because it's an EA monopoly, it's a 2K monopoly, it's some of these other things, 
MLB The Show is the only sports game in town on that side of it for their points of it. We need more competition. We need more points to be held that if competition doesn't breed more competition, these games can't get any better. And at the same time, when you talk about these sports gamers getting stepped all over, I feel bad for them that they love it because they want to play the game, they want to enjoy it, and it's the only option that they have. And when you tell them to boycott it, you're telling them to hurt something that they love, and it just doesn't work well as much as you think that argument should. Yes, you speak with your wallet, but it's much easier to speak with your wallet when there's a variety to choose from. And there's just not. And I don't see at this point how this series can get much better. So hopefully the NHL 24 beta report won't be so bleak by the time we get it to the end of August next year. And if I have any other issues and talks in terms of if I even buy the game, if it comes on the Christmas side of things, I'll let you know. But all chances on that are being in the less than 10% percentile. And this looks like a third straight year from someone that's played between NHL 10 to concurrent although skipping the last few years, that has loved the eSports Hockey League and one of the best sports games of all time in terms of also the playoff mode as well. This is a not even a shell of itself. This is completely unrecognizable. And someone, just like in The Last of Us 2, in between Manny and Neil Druckmann and all of that, had spit on one of our favorite characters and killed them right when they were down. It's over now. And I don't know how this series can ever come back and continue. But I will leave it at that. As always, guys, I thank you for joining me. And as we go forward, the NBA 2K game will launch on Friday. And then just a few short weeks, it'll be the NBA and the NHL season where I will be back full swing on ColorCast to be able to give you game stories, compilations, play-by-play there with Cooper Hopkins. It's going to be my lifeblood all the way through the season and into the playoffs. So I will be back in the full swing I'm not going to name names here on the ColorCast side, but again, I appreciate all of you that have stuck with me through the OG side of it, because I know I'm not an OG of it, but I've been here long enough to do enough of these broadcasts getting into the 80 range, where it's going to progressively go north of that number, that I'm going to be here full tilt, so if you want Game Stories coverage and play-by-play, you know where to find me, and in between that point of it in, um, let's just say October, in the NHL and NBA seasons and mixed with the NBA 2K23 gameplay, I'm going to be a busy man, and that's where I'm going to live a lot of my life there in terms of getting all that done. So I will be active here on YouTube. I will be active here on ColorCast. I appreciate you joining me for this one. And as the NFL season approaches, I believe that I will be at Ford Field on Sunday when the Lions take on the Eagles. And as far as my NFL coverage this year on the Hopeless Sports Guy, that will be here. This is going to be a a week-to-week breakdown, so a full week of all the... I'll just do a complete little small game story of all the games that are done, and then maybe just do some NFL pick'ems and have that there as well. So maybe that will be on ColorCast as well. But as far as the full broadcasting, that's going to be NBA and NHL games on ColorCast with the play-by-play in the full game store with the mix in between of college and things like that. But full NBA and full NHL in the October season, I will be here. It's going to be at least one NHL and one NBA game a week, but it's going to be more than that, folks. I'm just putting that as a broad number. It's going to be active. It's going to be a good time. I appreciate you checking it out. We will talk to you soon, everybody. Peace.